Hi, and welcome to the third episode of the Story Society. Today we've got Ellie, Jess, and myself, Kate. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Ellie, that was very sexual. And today we're talking about <laughs> today we're talking about Notes on a Nervous Planet by Matt Haig. Um, and it's really a study on how modern technology is affecting the way we think and making us more and more anxious as we go on. And I have to say, I felt very anxious reading this for the first half and it increased my anxiety maybe than lessening it. Yeah, I'd have to agree. But it's it's written by somebody who um, admits to having anxiety and I think that you just became part of his thoughts and processes as well and I think, yeah, was a bit of an anxious read yeah especially the first half so for me it picked up on uh, and I think this is what we'll pretty much talk about it kind of played off my anxieties so things like that potentially maybe stressed me out slightly and then he was obviously stressed by them so it just made me feel a bit anxious in general especially in my day-to-day while I was sitting on the tube or I don't know wherever I was at the time I think it went into more anecdotes as well later on in the book which made it more relaxed yeah the end felt a little bit more chilled yeah um so some of the stuff I thought we talk we could talk a little bit more around the main themes that uh came across so one of the main things that I kind of got that particularly maybe affects maybe less myself but more in the wider world is the idea on social media so how we're continually connected I'm not a big twitter user so I probably don't get the anxiety from that but, um, I only tweet to complain and then maybe get free stuff, but that doesn't really work. <laughs> but some people, he obviously uses Twitter and that's kind of a cause of anxiety for him. But I totally understand it when it comes to things like Instagram or feeling like you're not on top of the amount of news or what's going on. Mm. Yeah, there's always like some more things to know. He, he makes a really interesting point about Twitter, I don't think it was him, I think he was paraphrasing somebody else, that Facebook is the lies that you tell your friends and that Twitter is um, the truth that you wouldn't tell your friends. It's like That's very true, yeah. negative. Like Twitter, you get all of these kind of like moany ideas and you're looking for a reaction but not necessarily from people you know. Whereas I think Facebook, Instagram and those other ones are more kind of self-promoting and they're the ones that people look at and tend to feel really kind of bummed out yeah i'd That's agree true. i mean instagram they say is one of the biggest causes of depre- like i mean body anxiety and body dysmorphia yeah. and it makes people the most unhappy i can't i mean i personally don't follow people that make me unhappy yeah but you follow but i can completely understand why there's these kind of and if you i suppose if you're young impressionable or maybe you're not going through a particularly easy time it's very easy to look at all these perfect worlds that people kind of are creating and they are like creation it's like an expression of how I want everyone to view my life and I think like when we grew up we obviously had like magazines and we did have social media but not to the same extent and that, that it is now and nobody even and had a phone yeah too. like I would never come home after a weekend and be like oh my goodness everyone at school is going to see these really embarrassing photos of me. no I know I would never happen I mean the worst that happened so, was probably when we were at university and someone would upload a really oh, yeah. embarrassing album onto Facebook yeah, yeah. and you'd be like oh that my god sorry yeah <laughs> that's true 
that is the worst but I think yeah I don't know in the modern times it feels like there's so much more pressure on yeah it's almost like the younger generation have got a really warped opinion of what they should be looking like and what their lives should be like as well because even I can say like sometimes you look at these maybe less on Facebook because to be quite honest with Facebook I've grown very weary of just looking at people's photos of their babies and weddings and that's pretty much it and that's kind of all people post on Instagram people do probably post more but it's definitely more of a curated version of their lives and you follow kind of people who are maybe or I follow some people that are famous or like well known I personally enjoy comedians because I like to have a little giggle during the day but it's more this kind of the thing I I'm I'm really trying to in fact what this book did make me think is how much time am I spending on social media and how can I take, spend less time oh, on it the, the and new, more, more time in the real life? The new iPhone update tells you exactly how much it does. you've been spending <laughs> on social media. And it's terrifying because it's something like two hours a day. Or screen time, it's not just because I, I do it for work as well with my emails and things. Screen time, but it breaks it down into... What oh, does it? Doing. Yeah, so it will break it down into emails and um, other websites and social media. I don't know how to get... I haven't noticed that one yet, but that's, that's terrifying. Horrible. And I think that, yeah. I don't know, so for me it's like when I, so for example you go to the loo or you're waiting for someone, the first thing you do is get your phone out and you stop interacting with people around you. So I'm really trying to make an effort to not automatically go onto my phone and start mindlessly scrolling through shit that quite honestly I'm not really interested in, I'm not learning anything yeah. about, it's not furthering me in any way. But it's a habit break, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's really habit, it's a habit. Breaking a habit and it is a, he talks about it being like an addiction and it, it definitely, definitely is. is. And all these tech companies are built. I, in fact, I was listening to a podcast this week and someone said that if you turn your phone to grayscale, you're less likely to get addicted to it. So you still get the same amount of information, but you're not going... Can you do that? I've not worked out how to do it yet. So if anyone knows, uh, feel free to let us know how to do that. I'm the least tech savvy. But someone said, like, how, <laughs> if you turn it to grayscale, because all the apps are kind of designed to kind of... They are literally designed to draw you in and make you addicted to what you're seeing. But apparently if you turn it to black and white, you're less likely to get sucked in. Which I thought was quite an interesting idea. Um, But I think, yeah, it it definitely takes... Tech definitely takes over my life. I know. I was tempted to get a Nokia the other day instead of... What, a really old basic one? You look like a drug dealer. (laughs) That's always my next thought. (laughs) It's like, hey, I've got a burner phone, (laughs) guys. (laughs) The phone's got a name. And the phone's called Dave. <laughs> yeah. Then I'd have an excuse for only calling people. I'd be like, well... <laughs> it may be, like... But I tell you, it does make me... I, like, it definitely has an impact on sleep and all sorts of stuff, just being connected all the time, that I try... Like, I'm on my emails too often, like, late at night, and I've started going, right, at nine o'clock, I'm not going to... If I'm not doing something I'm not needed, I'm just, I'm not looking at my emails. Because all it does is stress me out. Yeah. Mm. Like, it means that I don't sleep properly. So I need at least a couple of hours to, like, not have to think about work before bed. True. And, like, trying to get, but it's actually quite a hard habit to break. Because it's definitely, it's like a, it's like almost like a nervous twitch. Like, what do you do when you're not, it's like I'm sitting watching something, I'm not in one place just sitting kind of concentrating on what I'm doing I have to then 
switch to checking my phone or something. I habits people had before phones. I don't remember. So apparently things like... Click the fingers or something. So I've heard... <laughs> well, I used to play... When I was a kid, obviously I didn't have a phone, I used to play with them. Um, do you remember that silly putty stuff? I always used to have oh, something or I'd draw. I always had to be doing something at the same time. Like I often used to draw or... Um, yeah, I'd be play, playing with something. It was probably really irritating. And I read back in the old <laughs> days... <laughs> I read back in the old days, people used to do it with pocket watches. So the whole thing of where we now check our phones, apparently it was a really common, like, kind of tick to open your pocket watch and check your pocket watch. Apparently that was, like, a thing. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, and watch minutes go by. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. I always find it so weird if somebody asks you what the time is on the street. Was like, don't you have a phone? Yeah, it's, it's like it makes well, me like, a really suspicious person. Yeah. <laughs> well, my phone's normally dead. So that's normally all lost or... Yeah, maybe that says more about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm one of those people. Mm. They might just not have their phone. True. I don't know. I think you feel like... <laughs> I do think, like, the modern world definitely... So things like... I mean, I'm a big Netflix watcher. And I love the the point where, like, they say that the biggest... Or he says, Netflix claim that their biggest challenger is actually sleep. So, which I think in itself says so much that it's made to kind of draw you in and just basically... keep it for hours. Yeah, for hours and hours and hours. So you just lose the rest of your life. It's starting the next episode for you is the genius idea. Yeah, mine doesn't do that anymore, and I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I probably good. Yeah, I I changed the settings because it was really detrimental. But now I'm like, oh, I just play the next one. But, yeah. At least then you have to think about it for a few seconds mm. and you might just have I, to. Yeah, but I get really addicted to it as well. Like, I it's definitely, I get more addicted to, say, watching a TV series. It doesn't even have to be Netflix because Sky automatically, when you download things, you can auto- it automatically plays the next one anyway in the same way Netflix does. So it kind of, it just draws you in and you can sit there for hours and I'm like, what have I done with the, like an evening? I could have actually like used it for something productive and yet I'm just drawn in. But I also, part of me is like, I actually enjoy being drawn into the worlds of someone else. I think if, if you can be drawn in, then there's something quite clever about it. Like, I definitely think that it's creative and, you know, it's, it is worthwhile. I think there's the a same place time for it is a waste of time. It's not, well, it's still nice to sit and relax. You're not constantly it's good be to doing switch things off. 24-7. But I do think sometimes maybe I use it as an avoidance technique. <laughs> I don't know, but like yesterday I was um, listening to music and the TV was on, but on mute and there was cartoons on it and I was just staring at the cartoons, like just staring at them. And then it took me, like, a few times to be like, Ellie, you have no idea on what is being said, but it was still entertaining. <laughs> In my mind, it's still really entertaining. <laughs> For me, it's like, I just get drawn into a series, and then it's like, when it ends, it's almost like a sense of loss, which is so bad. But I also get it where I'm like, I'm, I notice it's when I'm trying to avoid doing something or some, I'm unhappy with something that I particularly go into a... A binge phase where like I'll literally like watch back-to-back episodes for a consistently long period of time which is not and I know that that's now a sign when I'm not feeling good in myself and I need to do something or change something or do yeah. something's not right I don't know what the trigger is whether that is the trigger of feeling 
rubbish or whether you're feeling rubbish or that's what you do but it certainly becomes like a downward spiral yeah exactly and it gets to like the end of the day and you're like i have literally wasted yeah i think it's the easiest way to switch off to just sit and watch tv even like going for a walk just it's still so much more effort i know but i try and use it i try and go right i need to get out and even if i but I'm always switched on. Like, it's very rare I would go for a walk with no music or not listening to a podcast or a book. Generally, I'm listening to something. And I love going for a walk, but I use that as, like, right, just get out and do something because you'll feel better automatically by, like, leaving the house. Yeah. It's, it's more it's just... I don't... Again, I don't know which is the trigger. Normally, I think it's, like, something's not good which is why I then get into that habit but then it doesn't help the habit and I just get worse and worse it doesn't help it's not productive it's never going to allow me to get out of whatever rut I'm in true I think you're also a Londoner so that's quite a London thing like I don't listen to podcasts and stuff like I listen to outside things listen to outside oh, yeah. things or like, or like nature or like sirens <laughs> and birds and yeah in London I kind of like to switch generally I like to switch off the whole um you know honking cars and <laughs> annoying tourists and people <laughs> in my way face like exactly <laughs> whereas I'm quite happy doodling along without <laughs> earphones in I mean, I don't get me wrong, I do go along without earphones, but I feel like, especially even on the tube, like, switching, I find it definitely the easiest way to kind of ignore the fact that I'm in this really confined space with a bunch of strangers in slightly humiliating circumstances where your armpit, your head is in their armpit and there's someone's, like, butt crushing up against yours and you don't know them and it's slightly awkward and someone smells and someone's farted and you know what? I, it helps me like step away one set to have like I don't know a different I can concentrate on something else because there's not necessarily always space to read um although I do actually enjoy reading on the tube as well if I can I get a seat I like way earlier now so then yeah. I'm at least like not in like the crowded carriage yeah but I can't do rush hour it's too much I think Far too much I can't do it <laughs> I, I get really sad if somebody expects me to be commuting at commuter time. I would just rather be an hour early than go on a crowded train. Or an hour I late. used to do that. I used to turn up to work early just so that I missed the rush hour. Otherwise, you're in a bad mood all day. It I does put do me it. in a bad mood all day. And yeah. You need to go home and re shower. <laughs> That's true. It's too much. And they're all switched on. They're all in their, like, phones and yeah. nobody's looking where they're going. But I think... It's trampling on people. But even things like, nowadays, like, okay, let's take dating. You're switched on. Like, even, like, dating apps, you're completely, like... It's like a game. So it's very much, like, addictive, like, swipe left and right and then, like, a buzz of adrenaline, like, I suppose, what's the right... You get, I don't know, a buzz or, like, a feeling of good when someone matches, even if you're not actually interested in them, which is most of the time. (laughs) But it's, like, it's stopping... (laughs) But it's sort of stopping uh, any human interaction. So the natural kind of way of interacting with people would be, like, two people sitting next to each other, neither's doing something, but something happens, and then you can end up having some kind of maybe natural conversation. And in London, we're really bad at doing that. I'm so standoffish, and it just doesn't come across right in ignoring people. No, but (laughs) 
it's kind of like say you're both two people are in a bar like now most people you were sitting next to someone in a bar olden days you'd end up talking to them even you know the olden days 10 years ago you'd end up chatting to them now you just sit on your phone and you're because you kind of and you're ignoring what's going on around you until your friend arrives so you end up being less sociable because you're not interacting with the people around you which is unhealthy right to people, <laughs> <laughs> you talk to people. I yeah, I just yeah, it's so much easier. It's so. And much my phone's easier normally like people. broken or dead, so <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> probably a good thing. Even, I'm not even sure where my phone is now. <laughs> Mine's in my hand. Uh, <laughs> no, That's I think really it's this hard. idea, but it does feel like you're on more, so you're like always in touch more so it encroaches on time so one of the things he kind of says is how our time is being erosion we always feel like we've got less time but in theory we should have more time because technology makes it easier to communicate it doesn't take two weeks to write a let get a letter to someone like it did a couple of hundred years ago now you can just text someone and they're on the other end of a line everything is instant as well like food is pretty much yeah um, any services that you can think of, it's just in, it, there's there's hardly any planning that has to go into anything. No, exactly. Just, you can book a train ticket and be up, be miles away within yeah. a day, rather than taking you kind of or fly somewhere. Even you can be in Europe in a couple of hours without even having to but make any effort. Yeah. And it is awful. I think as well with some friends, if I send them a WhatsApp or two, then I'm like, no, they're all good, and you make probably less effort to meet up. Yeah, I try and do that. And you have someone I realised I met within like three months the other day. I was like, how has that happened? Yeah, it's true. And some people, I mean, I suppose it becomes easier to pretend mm. that you've got a relationship with someone when you maybe had a WhatsApp with them. <laughs> I say a relationship in the broader sense of the term. Because you the can't sense of the word. Yeah, all the time, like constantly. We're like, what do you think of these shoes? Yeah, constantly in touch with people. Yeah. Whereas I think, and I think that it feels like you're busy all the time, or there's this need to be busy all the time, or, I don't know, maybe it's a circle of friends, like, everyone's always seems to be really busy every hour of every day, and never have any time for anything. But they're busy watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly, what are they busy doing? Exactly. It's the prioritisation, that's all it yeah. is. Yeah, and now, I don't know if it's this idea that, I suppose it should, we should have more time, because it's easier to do all the basic stuff in life. So what I think he uses yeah. the example of, like, it used to take you a whole day to do your washing because you'd have to, like, do it by hand and go, you know, it would take a long time to do all of that kind of basic stuff. Now you throw it in the washing machine, it's done within an hour. And yet we sort of feel like even so basic day-to-day tasks. Mm. So you should have more time to do more stuff, but it seems like there's this continual pressure to... But I think um, he talks as well about the time after your work. So you have like, okay, you have your eight hours, he says, in your day where you're working. I know you put that in quotation marks. Sorry. Um, (laughs) And then you have your whatever, seven hours of sleep. And then you've got all of this other time that, what are you doing during this time? And I think probably as a nation, we are working too long. We're working too many hours in a day. And we're not really giving ourselves like the proper amount of free time that we should be having. And it's also free time because, I mean, well, for me, it's like I go, I find it difficult to find a balance between the amount of time that I'm just, I'm literally like not doing nothing, but maybe have time to read and actually do something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
versus feeling like you're rushing around to see also rushing around to see people and you kind of end up filling like all those little cracks of mm. time with stuff or things to do but I suppose well it's easier as I've got older I've got better at like maybe segmenting that time and making sure I have enough time to actually just sit back and kind of evaluate rather than kind of yeah I think always feeling like I'm consuming stuff I think at the start of every year I make a list like generally what I want to do by the end of the year and try and stick to that rather than overcrowding overcrowding. it it's really easy to do I also feel they, when it comes to time, I think this is maybe, I don't know where it comes from, but I've always had this feeling that there's never enough. So not in a in sense of like getting my day-to-day stuff done, but in sense of what I want to achieve in life, I feel very much like, oh my God, I'm running out of time, like this continual anxiety, underlying anxiety to do stuff or achieve stuff. And I don't know where that comes from. I think everybody has that. I think that's why I started doing yearly lists. I mean, just generally, as long as you stick roughly to it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's true. But then maybe you need to be reflecting as well on what you have achieved. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's true. Like a, a daily kind of, or however often you want to do it, like a gratitude thing of like, well, this is what I have actually achieved. So, you know, I haven't done this and this yet but I've still done all of these things and that's something to be proud of. No, I totally agree. And something to be, like, a little less anxious about, a little bit more... Yeah. Um, I can definitely see how, you know, when, say, the modern world makes that sort of underlying anxiety can increase it more because yeah. you're continually being bombarded with people who are doing these great things and these amazing things in life. Mm-hmm. You're like, well what am I doing? Well, okay. I'm doing a lot, but like in general, you kind of, it can still, you can, it's really dangerous to compare yourself to people, but that's kind of what. That's what happens. And I really, I follow a lot of um, like traveling accounts on Instagram because I do like traveling. I like looking at really amazing photography as well. And it, sometimes you'll see in the, in the top of the bio, like literally the amount of countries that they visited. And I'm like, who actually has time to count? Like, well, there are apps for that now. Mm. I have one. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. So there's an app for it. So that's why there is an app it. for it. You can add like every country, every state you've been to, and keep track of it. But the problem yeah, is, I, I do have. I mean, like, I have. Yeah. Is it somewhere you really want to go, or is it just another? Place well, exactly. You been to yet? Mm. Exactly, because so for me, it's like I happened to. I kind of was more interested. Like someone was saying, "Oh, I've been to so many countries." I was like, well. I don't, I don't know. So I have a look, and they're like, "Oh, there's this app you can look at. You can just add them." And I just thought, but I don't want to go to countries and just tick just them quantify. off. Oh, hey, I've been there. I've you, you like taken have, a photo. You don't have any like quality of the experience if you're just quantifying? No, exactly. You're just like, oh, I've done this. Exactly. It, it's the same thing as. What did you feel like? What did you feel about it? What did you get from the experience? Like, it's like I'm not a big. I personally am not one to post loads on social media either. But we were even saying the other day, so we went to a gig on Thursday, and we were before people who take it, it's a real pet peeve. People who stand there taking photos, yeah, or like videoing the whole gig and without actually there. just being like, just enjoy the fact that you're there. That's the whole to me, the whole thing of live music is the event, yeah. and you're there and you're surrounded by a group of people that are all there to like enjoy the same thing. And that atmosphere is in, there's nothing like it to me. 
And to then just to remove yourself from that and watch it through your phone, to me, it's completely crazy. Or to just go because you can then post it on social media, which is something of the feel that I think people actually do. Mm. That's true. It takes away from your day-to-day experience of life if you're not, yeah. you're not present and you're not kind of there to actually engage with you're it. You're kind of like saving it for later, but then yeah. actually are you going to go home and, and Who watch goes and watches it? I mean, the bit... sound quality is awful yeah. when you watch those If you want to do that, just go on YouTube and watch like a proper video of it. Like, don't go to the gig, but... Especially when they're so, that sort of exactly. stuff is so expensive. But completely great. Like, I don't get that. And I think it's the same when it goes in. But that's it's a crowd saying. mentality, though, because one person does that, everyone everyone starts doing it. Like, yeah. I've been guilty of it. I've done it before. And I'm just like, well, why am I doing this? Now I can't dance. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, we saw someone who dropped their phone. Oh, I stood on it for quite a while, didn't I? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to the um, poor person who I dropped I saw right, I picked it up. But yeah, like, someone was videoing it, and they obviously dropped... It was a it was a quite it. a crazy gig. The <laughs> there, and then the phone was somehow obviously they were holding it because they were taking videos or whatever and then they dropped it on the floor I was like well what do you expect it is a quite a rowdy crowd you don't you know be careful put your stuff in your pockets and don't pretend it's going to like not fall over it was good fun though fall out yeah um it was good fun though (laughs) I think though it goes into the same thing of like when the whole thing you were saying around relationships like if you're continually on your phone kind of messaging people then your relationships get one step removed can become one step removed as well because it's just not the same if you're not in the same Definitely. room as someone mm-hmm. or even actually speak we speak less on the phone like i used to go when i was a teenager i used to call my friends well, I spent hours and i spent hours and hours on the phone and my mom still does talking about yeah. rubbish though. talking about absolute rubbish and that's a skill to be able to kind of talk in person but if you end up having your whole relationship like it's you feel like one step removed you whatsapp's so easy that you're just like hey how's it going Mm. but then if you never actually end up meeting up like is there a relationship there are they actually supporting you if you can't actually speak in real life anymore and it's hard to move on from like previous relationships because you can constantly check it's not healthy you're never really out of touch that is true or it has to be a very kind of final thing if you decide to make somebody out of touch if you block them then it's a really mm. odd thing to do like it's very final yeah no I know I mean he says kind of this idea of people cancel because they can't be bothered anymore and that the online is kind of taking over real life relationships Take and there's a whole chapter one in it bit because it's like yeah you have this thing of like you can't be bothered but which is not nice you're cancelling on your friends because you can't be bothered but it's the same thing that we're all getting this massive overload of everything and just being completely exhausted and unable to yeah like cope i think it's a it's not not being bothered it's about not being able to cope sometimes i think sometimes it's i think sometimes it is i can't be bothered and it's easy it's much easier now to kind of well do things like sit and watch netflix for hours and feel yeah. like you're doing stuff and feel like you're in touch because you're you it's easy to message someone but I mean I get it that you people are overwhelmed and busy but you can't have a proper conversation um and you can't sense how somebody is feeling why 
a message no. or a post. So. And I think it's one of the reasons, like, lonely... I mean, what do they say? Loneliness is at its highest level, and it's not just older people who are kind of... It's also young people. And I can see why. Like, people are kind of isolated in their houses and online, but they're not yeah, with like people in real person. Yeah, a real lack of human interaction. A real lack of human interaction. And it's really... It's so easy for that to happen. Like, if I work from home... I could not see anyone all day, which is really weird. Yeah, that would be really horrible. And you end up not talking, you know, you don't have any personal interaction with anybody all day, which is, I suppose, sometimes maybe pleasant, but generally it's not something I particularly enjoy. Yeah, I'm not very good at not being around people. I just, I, I get a lot of my energy from other people as well, I think. Mm. If I'm if I'm left on my own, I just sort of like fade away a little bit. <laughs> Definitely, I think even a whole yeah, I could probably spend a day by myself, max. But I even noticed then, like, I talk to people. <laughs> yeah, and I know, but I noticed that that it's definitely practice being able to just talk to people, and people get out of the habit. So you can tell when people are much more online and on their phone than yeah. in real life. And they're not very good at actually being able to properly hold a, either a conversation or open up or build a proper relationship in, re, in the real world, which I think is really sad. And I think that I understand that it's obviously easier to have relationships with hundreds of people through online, but you still need those close people around you to be able to kind of communicate in real life, not just at the end of a phone. I like in real life. <laughs> I like real life. <laughs> I enjoy real life. And it's not the same as being in people's company. Mm. No, it's not at all. Not at all. You don't get mm. any warmth from it. Mm. Although they say that you do get this warm, fuzzy feeling if you get a like or something, but... But it's I artificial, it's not... And then it just becomes, yeah, standard. And people can talk to, like, five people now at the same time. It's all a bit quantity rather than quality. Yeah, I mean, I do get a bit overwhelmed when I'm in a, like, massive WhatsApp group. And then the conversation can just be full of rubbish. It's like, sometimes it's really funny. So it's like meme after meme after meme. And I get it, it's enjoyable. But mm. I'd much rather have that kind of conversation and, like, sense of humour in person. It's much more enjoyable mm. than, you know, just... Hey, well, I'm watching TV, but I've got this kind of trail going on on WhatsApp. It's not quite the same as being in real life. So I think one of the other things he he touches on is the idea of aging and getting older. And that nowadays, aging is kind of frowned upon. Like, people don't want to look older. They don't want to kind of... It's all about the value is in youth. But he kind of also says the stat that old people get more accepting of ageing as they get older, which I really like, and that gives me comfort because I'm terrified of getting old and decrepit. <laughs> but even then, we were talking about Botox and stuff last night. People can just stay younger for ages. Yeah, but I don't think... But I suppose it's kind of like, is we sort, have we taken value? Addiction. Yeah, it's like, have we taken yeah. the value out of wisdom and age and should it's more in this society than others because in other societies around the world they have much more respect for the elder generation well the elder doesn't get kicked out of the house exactly (laughs) exactly they get looked after whereas here i don't know 
Yeah, we're there's definitely no, there's scared. no shame in in aging, but I think people are just scared of it for some reason. Yeah, and we're not very caring. We're always doing something rather than putting aside time to look after people. Yeah. I mean, I really liked his list on how to stop worrying about ageing. So, one, understand that old people aren't actually that worried about old age, according to the numbers. Numerous surveys, the most recent one I can find, undertaken, blah, blah, blah. They always tell me don't get old, and I say there's only two options. Well, yeah, exactly. You die early. You either or die get old. young or get old. Like that's it. You can be, you can be old but seeming young, and be young in your mind and young in your body, but you're still gonna age. Yeah, it's kind of inevitable. There's only two options. Well, exactly. And I'd rather age, maybe disgracefully, but <laughs> in one sense. I also I've noticed though that the idea of aging, like getting old if you're healthy, is fine. But I've seen it, you know, where people, when people aren't healthy and have, but it can you, be, tra- I mean, it's awfully sad. But then sad. You, you actually then change what you mean by old because you can see somebody that's unhealthy and with like lots of um, morbidities and you see them as being old because they're less able. Yeah. But that's not actually true. That That could be a person who's like any age and then you've got an elderly person who's completely functional. Oh, totally. You meet people in their, like, 80s and 90s who are, like, so with it and, like, great... have, like, so much life still. But it's more... So... so I think it's definitely about the individual person and youth is more... Not just your age. I think it's definitely a mindset. it's youthfulness. It's, like, your mindset, your agility, your, your brain function as well. Exactly. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Some of the things it's like... So his second one is, it happens. Aging is something we can't do much about. We can eat healthily, exercise and live sensibly, but we will still age. Our 80th birthday will still be on the same date. Sure, we can make it more likely. We will reach 80, but we can't stop the wheels of time. And I think that's kind of just how it is. And then to quote Nora Ephron, which he does from our last session, there's nothing you can do about it, whether or not you eat six almonds a day. Everybody dies, <laughs> which is kind of true, you know. There's nothing you can do about it. It's like the inevitable, so you might as well make the most of your time here, which I think is what gives me the anxiety is, like, how am I making the most of my time? I just think, is there going to be one day that I wake up and look in the mirror and think, oh, today I'm old? I Yeah, I've wondered that. Because it hasn't happened yet. No, I still I feel like I'm 16. it's, like, gradual. And also because um, all of these people that are, like, children look like they're... Exactly. Like so yeah, so number six on his list. <laughs> no, can't tell the difference. <laughs> number six on his list, embrace, don't resist. The way to get rid of age anxiety might be the way you get rid of all anxiety. By acceptance, not denial. Don't fight it, feel it. Maybe don't inject yourself with Botox. Do some knifeless metal su- mental surgery instead. Reframe your idea of beauty. Be a rebel against marketing. Don't look forward to being the wise elder. Oh, look forward to being the wise elder. I think that's that's sensible. That's I'd like sensible. to be wise in my old age. I think you are wise, Kate. You already are wise. Yeah, Thanks, wise. guys. But I don't. <laughs> I don't think that I would be against what people do in order to make themselves feel better about themselves. I think there are lots of choices and lots of consumer choices around there. Mm-hmm. And I personally know a lot of people who are taking part in 
lots of things so it depends on your reasons for doing something yeah but in my opinion like what I have seen which is worrying about Botox and fillers is that it's really addictive Mm. yeah and it's getting younger and younger it's not I think there a lot of it isn't about aging it's about a certain aesthetic which Um, is actually like come well let's be honest it's come from pornography mm. where like people want to look like a particular way and now that's kind of become the norm so like big lips, fake, like that kind of very plasticky kind of fake look. Not my style, but if people want to do it, go for it. But it, it can be addictive. And I do worry about this. What and what the effect? Botox came out as an anti-aging thing for people who are in their like forties, and now it's being used by people in their twen- early twenties. I remember mm. one of my friends started it when she was twenty-one, and that's I was, crazy. I was just kind of shocked. She looked like a child anyway. And I was like, I don't understand. And it makes your other muscles in your face look harder. Yeah. So someone I saw had like puffier under eyes because those muscles had to work harder. I don't know what the long term... Yeah, exactly. And what are the long term effects of it? Because like, I don't know if... I mean, let's be honest, it makes your muscles weaker. So what when you get... When these 20 year olds who've been taking Botox get to 40 surely they're going to look older than they would have done if they just left it because their muscles aren't strong enough to hold. But then you need to keep doing it and doing it. I just, I really just... enjoy the expression on my face. I enjoy it. I think it's great. And moving your face is I quite like nice. moving <laughs> it. Being able just, to smile. I'm like, oh yeah. Not that I'm saying nice. I'd never get it. Potentially I would. I think I would. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just putting I'm it I'm not on. there yet. <laughs> just putting it on. I think I'd do fillers. You don't need You don't need them. No. You don't need them. No. Just a little bit, but I think that's pretty how it starts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how it starts. A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> and I suppose for people, it's less scary that the idea of like going actually going onto the knife. But then plastic surgery is also incredibly common as well. I suppose that's been around for years, but so much easier. We were talking about this. I think I'd get my bum done first. If I was gonna what? Do I know. It's so much easier. so much easier than going to a gym. So much easier. Uh, but you. Yeah. But the benefits from a gym are not like just what you look like. <laughs> I mean, I personally find more that it, it's more. The phys- if I don't go to the gym, it's not my aesthetic that stresses me out because slugging. I feel I feel tired, and if I'm doing enough exercise, I feel tired. I feel run down. I feel emotionally like Like, worse off I feel so much better if I do exercise regularly and not like intense exercise and it's not just to look a certain way it's more for my mental health I just hate the gym I just hate being inside and it's always just a horrible underground space and it's too bright and it's about like to me exercise is about finding the kind of you have to enjoy it outdoors exercise is quite good but it's finding what works for you like I personally Mm. hate the rain and cold so for me, going for a run in the rain and cold would be a wor- my worst nightmare. But going to a dance class, I love, and I come out feeling amazing. Dance is so much fun. Dance is dance. Yeah. Oh, there's a really funny bit in the book where he's talking about like mass hysteria, where there is a town, was it in Holland or somewhere, where everyone just started dancing? Oh, and, yeah. Until they died. I like uh, it. I like a bit of mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. I know, I'd love to have a good little... There is the, the people that laughed. But it's, it's true, laughing is contagious. So I think we should be... Mass hysterics. Definitely. 
There are thousands of examples of history of individuals getting their emotions influenced by a crowd, from the Salem witch trials to Beatlemania. One of the most amusing slash frightening examples is the case of the French, there you go, it's French, convent in the 15th century, where a nun began to meow like a cat. Pretty soon, other nuns started to meow too, and within a few months, nearby villages were startled to hear all the nuns meowing for several hours a day in loud cat chorus. <laughs> they only stopped meowing when the local authorities threatened to whip them. Oh my God. That's nuts. That's not <laughs> That's dancing hilarious. though. No, carry on, it is going to dance. There are other odd examples, such as the Dancing Plague in 1518, where over the course of a month, 400 people in Strasbourg danced themselves to the point of collapse, and in some cases, death, for no understandable reason. No music was even playing. See, to me, that's... I mean, very sad, people shouldn't die. It's like jazzercise. Jazzercise? The 80s version. No, it's great. No, I pers- I mean, like, I love a good dance, and hence why I also love live music when everyone's dancing and it's great atmosphere and it's awesome. I have to say, going to a rave or a gig is like one of the best forms of exercise. Definitely. <laughs> Obviously, if you don't drink loads, and then it counteracts that probable benefit. But do you replenish the water that you sweat? Exactly, and make sure you drink enough water so you don't get dehydrated. <laughs> Never happens. Isotonic drinks. <laughs> always good um so one of the things he kind of says is the idea of being kinder to yourself about yourself um the joy of seeing people as themselves and not pretending to be someone different um and looking at he kind of gives the idea of look at yourself from the perspective of your older self Ooh, interesting yeah yeah so if you're looking back on your younger self, what would you say to yourself? Oh, be nice to yourself. Like, you'd be kinder to yourself about what you're doing. You wouldn't mm-hmm. continually beating yourself over the head with kind of negativity. That's true. And also you have to go through, and I suppose it's the idea, you have to go through some of these trials and tribulations and things are difficult. They're not just going to come to you overnight. Yeah, I think it's about letting letting the influences that you let in be good ones yeah and he says enjoy the enjoy your difference and imperfections which i really i I mean i totally agree with because if you and he kind of I, i think it was him that said if you are looking at your friends you just see them as your friend you don't see their imperfections you don't look at them and go oh they've got i don't know a big nose or big ears or whatever thanks for looking at me kate (laughs) (laughs) ellie does not have a big nose or big ears however (laughs) for that example (laughs) it was more the it's yeah it's the idea that you don't see you don't look at your friends or family and just and And see and pick out their flaws you just see them for who they are and if and you actually kind of embrace those imperfections are what make them themselves. If everyone looked a certain way, they'd all be clones and well, you wouldn't have any individuality. People do look the same now. Yeah, more and more so. It's really weird. Well, because every- So there was one part which uh, touches on the news cycle and how the continual information overload and how we're always getting this negative news impacts on our mental health and how it's very difficult to either one, stay on top of it, and two, it feels like everything is significantly more negative and bad stuff is always going on in the world. 
Yeah, I think he um, describes it as actually experiencing what's going on around because you see it now with like um, camera phones and social media, it's much more in your realm and it's because it's always videoed and footage and pictures, it just seems a lot closer to home. You're like feeling... Well, it causes, I guess it causes empathy, much more empathy, but and also you're continually bombarded by all these negative images. It can't ha- can't not but affect you. Well, it's depressing. And he puts here that it's like a global sinking feeling and that it just increases worry. And there's one um, bit in the book where he says, if you see footage of a terrorist attack happening, it becomes far easier to imagine another one happening. And then I think people start to put themselves in that scenario. And I think start to relive it and think, well, what if, what if, what if? Um, so it becomes much more of a shared fear, I guess. Yeah, so instead of it just affecting the people who are there, it much more, I guess, I guess it gives a much more mental impact on everyone. And I suppose that's leading to a kind of general consensus of negativity or anxiousness within society as a whole, rather than it just affecting and shock, the yeah. smaller people. I also think the news cycle is particularly negative in general so there's much more bias towards the negativity personally i get incredibly irritated as well with that it's the current state of politics is incredibly everyone basically is all right to throw insults and throw negativity on anything that's being done even if it's actually quite a positive thing and everyone decides that they can tweet and everyone has an opinion but no one ever is constructive and i find it incredibly frustrating especially it's one thing for the public to have commentary but it's really irritating when the people in power have absolutely nothing positive to say or constructive to say so it's one I personally always think don't say something negative unless you have something kind of positive that can come from exactly a a recommendation or if I'm editing it's like if I'm editing a piece of work I'll edit it but I'll always edit it with positive suggestions I don't just go this is wrong this is wrong you say this is this is potentially a different way of doing this. So you're kind of... So, it, I mean, I hate to bring the dread of Brexit into it, but one, Brexit is incredibly negative and creates this whole kind of unease and anxiety within society in the UK. But it's incredibly frustrating when you have politicians who are okay criticising everything that's being done, especially when they put you in that situation in the first place, but can never add any constructive help to what they would suggest in the first place not trying to make things political so I'll move on (laughs) and just in general it's never explained to the wider public properly and it's misrepresented I think a lot of the acts are misrepresented agreed I think it's a lack of understanding and that everybody just wants to be part of like the bandwagon and everyone's jumping on with Mm. their opinions of or things that perhaps they don't really have a full understanding of. The f- yeah. And I'm guilty, well, I'm not guilty of it, but I don't understand everything. <laughs> so I just don't get involved. I think that, but it is definitely, like, I'd say nowadays, probably more so, because you're continually bombarded with, it's not even news, it's actually just opinion. So you end up reading opinion continuously, one negative opinion continuously, but also biased into the news cycle within our kind of realm so generally if you're where you're consuming news is often within your echo chamber so you're if you're seeing stuff through social media 
we all know that you're basically pointed towards stuff that people know you're going to like already so you're not widening your circle of knowledge and it's very easy for everyone to as you say jump on the bandwagon without actually understanding what they're saying and there's a lot of commentary without people really understanding the facts and I wish that maybe the general press would provide more kind of fact-based reporting versus opinion-based because people often then get swiped up in the opinion versus really understanding what's going on fundamentally yeah. in the first place. But and opinions are valid, but they they always have a consequence. Like, if you have one um, binary opinion, then it's going to be completely opposite to somebody else. And that that's what politics is. That's, that's fine. That's understandable. Um, but it's just a lack of understanding and people just jumping on. And I think there's a lot of harassment as well that's directed at on, yeah, online. Oh, 100%. I don't know how they respond to it. Like, I wouldn't be able to. No, no. How much of harassment and how, how can you then, um, what's mm. the word, kind of... Um, switch off? No, not even switch off. Just reply in a way that isn't as the same Antagonistic. Tone. Yeah, yes. you can't... Or even, you can't sense any tone from a post. No, so you can't. And people continually having kind like, of newsfeed and opinions on Twitter like this week I've been seeing huge amounts of realms of opinion based stuff on Twitter zero fact and people putting in commentary on things that one they don't really know what the state of play is anyway they haven't read anything they're writing just opinion before they've even read something and it's complete like before any facts have been released on a on a topic people like to jump in about their opinion and I'm kind of like to me, that's just negative news cycle continually and perpetuating through that. It's unhelpful, I think. Incredibly unhelpful and incredibly unconstructive. But before we get too political, it's probably best to leave it there. I like the part in the book where he says it's good to like self-parent. Just imagine you're your own. Do you, want, like, do you really need that fifth glass of wine? Oh. I'm start trying to do that more often. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Kate that for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Currently, I'm not my own parent, but other people's. Do you really need that fifth glass of wine? Do you really need the sex gen and tonic? Do you actually have to spend £200 on a pair of trainers? How, how will you feel about that the next week when you can't afford to pay your bills? That so is an true. example of a conversation this week. <laughs> no, it was with Jess. They were really nice trainers. I did end up not getting them. I think that was a sensible choice. Congratulations. Yeah. I've been super sensible this week. And I overall. Well done. New me. New you. <laughs> Feeling less pressure from the outside. Well, yeah, I definitely um, think that the idea of kind of, or how would you talk to someone else? You would never say, or it's the whole thing, and it's so common. You would never say half the stuff you say to yourself to someone else. You wouldn't no. talk to yourself no like that. So why talk to yourself like that? Be nicer to yourself. It's okay to kind of, you wouldn't look at your friend and be like, you have, I don't know, fat bum and you have, like, whatever. You would never say that. You don't even think it, really. Exactly. So why would you say it to yourself? You're fine as you are. Embrace, the indif- embrace your imperfections, I think is what he says. Well, I think they make you you. No, they do, exactly. So it's kind of try and... And it, what Be you better think with of that. as an imperfection is actually somebody else's preference. Exactly. So, my tongue's rumbling. And the idea that um, <laughs> aim to be... 
instead of aiming for like overall happiness because it's kind of unobtainable you can't be happy all the time oh, that's just happiness in the journey and happiness in the process yes satisfaction is the aim yeah it's what he says <laughs> i put that quote <laughs> but yeah it's it's more enjoying the journey of getting somewhere not the final destination because half the time you get to the final destination and you're just underwhelmed so you've got to enjoy the process of getting there. There was a, a good book that I read recently. I can't remember who it's by, so it's bad. Um, but it was about um, searching for meaning rather than searching for happiness because that will give you a lot more satisfaction and this kind of arbitrary idea of what happiness really is. Yeah. Because happiness for most people is like a destination, whereas it's not really like that. The pursuit of happiness. So true. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Completely agree with that. I don't think you can aim equally the idea of happiness is is this kind of huge endorphin rush and actually those points are quite fleet those points where you get that huge overwhelming sense of like joy is actually relatively fleeting like yeah the aim is to kind of feel kind of contentment in your day-to-day yeah. life and get pleasure from the small things I also find more so like I get pleasure from work when you work on something the harder you work on something the more pleasure you get of attaining it and it's very easy nowadays to think, well, stuff is really easy and I'll just get it overnight and then be annoyed that you're not getting something and you're not getting that continual gratification. But actually, it's stuff that you work the hardest on is where you get the well, most gratification the from it. The effort that you put in, you get equal kind exactly. of satisfaction out of it, usually. Exactly. Even so it's just a sense of achievement rather than a sense of happiness. <laughs> Well, I suppose it's, yeah, I guess the achievement feeds into that anyway. But yeah, it's definitely enjoying the journey, not necessarily aiming for this, like, I don't know, buoyant, I don't know, feeling of, like, overwhelming joy and happiness all the time. So I'm not sure if that really is, is possible or exists. It, I don't it, think it does exists. exist, but you can't have it all of the time. Because no. it's actually like a creation of hormones, so you, you run out of them, then you have to recreate them. Yeah. You have to sleep. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Miss Medical Scientist. <laughs> so I guess what I suppose what did you what was your main takeaway from the book? Prioritising's important. I think I need to prioritise things better. What it's easy you... to get wrapped up in. I think probably time. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. It's like becoming less wrapped up in unimportant things yeah. things that aren't going to matter next week or next month or even in five minutes in five minutes yeah 100% yeah. 100% working out where the bigger priorities yeah. and the bigger aims and goals and not stressing over the little things yeah I agree I also took away that I need to take more balance have more balance so step away from things that are producing any anxiety like make sure that I turn emails off Mm-hmm. at a certain time like practical I'm quite practical so turning off like email notifications after a certain time making sure that I I've actually turned on the kind of sleep thing on my phone oh I love that so that yeah. I get reminded go to sleep and actually that works as a kind of reminder if I'm watching tv or I'm in the middle of something no right that's it go to bed be your own parent yeah exactly. exactly but using te- and using technology to help rather than kind of hinder like living your day-to-day life but to keep checking back because at some point you do become a bit dependent on on what you're using exactly and making sure that you're not dependent on it turning off laptops turning off emails stop scrolling 
like before I go to bed and I have stopped doing that since You're reading it. You're going to have really arthritic thumbs. Yeah, they say that people's thumbs are getting larger. Don't like large thumbs. So You've got quite small hands, hands. you're yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and basically go outside more, be in nature as much as possible. I mean, I know I live in London, but I can see trees from my window. <laughs> That's not the same as being outside, though. Yeah, convince and go, yourself that looking out the window. But <laughs> so, if I feel stressed or whatever, like go into it, go I for a walk, get outside, go f- get some fresh air, and read more. I'm trying to kind of read before bed because it's like a much more productive product or calming yeah. kind of sense because even if the because when you're watching tv like half the time you're doing something else whereas when i'm reading i can only read i can't be doing something else at the same time i'm sure other people can but i'm personally not capable of it so for me reading before bed is a much more kind of wind down yeah, type of activity you turn your other senses off. yeah so i feel they're kind of that's what i took away and the main thing which is my favorite quote from the whole book was be less robot oh yeah i like that that was really good yeah cool so thank you for listening to this episode of the story society the next one is tara westover's educated which will be coming to you as soon as we've managed to record it so thanks everyone bye